Look at Zechariah chapter 3. And we'll start reading in verse 1 here in a minute, but let's remember where we've been. The book of Zechariah, 14 chapters that are some of the fullest chapters in the Bible on doctrine, on truth, on prophecy, and it links with just about every other book of the Bible in an amazing way. And there are roughly 10 different visions in the first half of the book of Zechariah that God gives to the nation of Israel to tell them what's coming in their future. Here in chapter 3, we're in the fourth vision. And let's read this chapter together. And he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. What an amazing scene that is. And the Lord said unto Satan, The Lord rebuke thee, O Satan. Even the Lord that hath chosen Jerusalem rebuke thee. Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and stood before the angel. And he answered and spake unto those that stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And unto him he said, Behold, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee, and I will clothe thee with a change of raiment. You know, this is God, the Lord Jesus Christ, the angel of the Lord, speaking to Joshua as the... Now, this is the, the, the high priest Joshua, not Joshua and Caleb Joshua. This is much later. And this is the high priest Joshua representing the nation of Israel. And Jesus is explaining to Joshua the way that he looks at Israel. And he says, I want to save you. I want to change you. And the only way that you can be clean is through me. That's what Jesus Christ says. And of course, we understand as far as salvation, the only way that any of us get to go to heaven is through Jesus Christ. Yesterday, I had the privilege of preaching the funeral for Greg Neth's mom, Naomi. And what a great opportunity that was to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. What is our hope when we face death? It is the one who conquered death through His resurrection, our Savior Jesus Christ. And He says here that, Behold, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee. Verse 5, And I said, this is Zechariah now, Let them set a fair mitre upon his head. So they set a fair mitre upon his head and clothed him with garments. And the angel of the Lord stood by. And the angel of the Lord protested unto Joshua, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, If thou wilt walk in my ways, and if thou wilt keep my charge, then thou shalt also judge my house, and shalt also keep my courts, and I will give thee places to walk among these that stand by. Here in the next few weeks, I want to preach a message from that text. on After the Lord changed Joshua, and after he called Jerusalem, called Israel back to himself, coming out of that Babylonian captivity, there were some things that God wanted Joshua to do. When we get saved, after we get saved, the Bible says we become kings and priests. And there are some things that God wants us to do. Some very specific things that are listed in this text, and I want to preach those here in a few weeks. But look at the next verse. Verse 8. And this is where we're going to be, verses 8 and 9 today. Hear now, O Joshua, the high priest... Thou and thy fellows that sit before thee, for they are men wondered at. Now look at what he says. For behold, I will bring forth my servant, the branch. For behold, the stone that I have laid before Joshua, upon one stone shall be seven eyes. Behold, I will engrave the graving thereof, saith the Lord of hosts, and I will remove the iniquity of that land, look at what it says, in one day. In that day, saith the Lord of hosts, shall ye call every man his neighbor under the vine 
and under the fig tree. Now that under the vine and under the fig tree, when we look at the life of Solomon and Solomon ruled the kingdom in peace and they sat under the vine and under the fig tree and it describes a time of peace under a godly rule. And So that's a wonderful thing that we'll look at another time. You know, maybe in two or three years when we finish chapter 3 of Zechariah. But this morning, I want to speak to you on the branch, the stone, and the seven eyes. The branch, the stone, and the seven eyes. And this is going to be one of those messages where you've got to have your Bible ready because the only way we can understand that is to go verse by verse and compare Scripture with Scripture. But you know what we're looking at today? We're looking at Jesus. And I want us to learn some things about our Savior today. Lord Jesus, please help us as you reveal yourself to us from your Word. Lord, I think everyone in the room will learn something today. Your Word is so powerful, it's so amazing, and we deal with it so tritely. Lord, help us to understand the magnificence of Your Word and Your person today. In Jesus' name, amen. The branch, the stone, and the seven eyes. What is this branch talking about? Look at verse 8. Hear now, O Joshua, the high priest, thou and thy fellows that sit before thee, for they are men wondered at. For behold, I will bring forth my servant... The branch. My servant, the branch. Now, those of us who have spent any time in the Word of God and we see those capital letters, we know immediately that that's dealing with God. Right? But this is dealing with Jesus Christ specifically. There are six Old Testament references to the branch. Two of them deal with Jesus Christ specifically as the Messiah. Let's look at those quickly. Look with me at Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 1. Isaiah chapter 11. Now, I want you to do something. Keep a marker in Zechariah, and then I'll have you put a marker here in, in Isaiah because we're going to come back to it. But Isaiah chapter 11, look at verse 1. And there shall come forth, and there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. Do you see that capital branch there? This is, this is the prophecy that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, is going to come from the line of David, from the lineage, from the blood, as a descendant of David, humanly. Now, we know he preexisted David, right? That's Jesus Christ, the preexistent one. And he was going to take on flesh and come and live a sinless life, and he was going to be, be presented to Israel as their Messiah. They would reject him. They would crucify him. Jesus would be buried for three days. He'd rise from the dead. But He's coming back and He's going to establish that kingdom and rule and reign for a thousand years. That's the Jewish Messiah that's being spoken of here. Go to Jeremiah chapter 33 and look at verse 15. Jeremiah 33. This is the other verse that identifies this branch as the Messiah. In those days and at that time, do you see that? Those days and at that time. Those days, most of the time when you see it in a prophetic context like that, that's the tribulation. So at the end of that, I will cause the branch of righteousness to grow up unto David, and he shall execute judgment and righteousness, where? In the land. Jesus Christ doesn't come back to that land, that land of Israel that is from the southern part of Turkey to Cyprus in the west and all the way Syria in the east and in the south, Saudi Arabia, covering all of that land. In that land, Jesus Christ, the branch, will rule and judge in righteousness. That's coming. Is that exciting? That's coming. That's the branch that's being spoken of. 
in the book of Zechariah. But there are four other Old Testament passages that deal with the branch. And in each of those is an equal or a parallel passage in the New Testament. And this is so cool that you'll see some of the supernatural nature of the Word of God. So let's go to the first one and let's look at this, this branch. Go to Jeremiah 23. Jeremiah 23. And look at verse 5. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch, and a king shall reign and prosper and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. When is that going to happen? That's when Jesus Christ, the king, sits on the throne of God and reigns in Jerusalem. Now remember, there's only one day on God's calendar that has a smiley face next to it. Remember when Mark Trotter said that to us here years ago? There's only one day on God's calendar that has a smiley face next to it. And that's the day that Jesus Christ comes to reign and receives the glory that He is due in all the earth. The Bible says the, all the holy prophets prophesied of that day. That day is the theme of the whole Bible. Jesus Christ is coming back to rule and to reign on this earth as the branch. That's what it says right here. The branch. But look at what it says again. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch, and a king shall reign and prosper, and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. Jesus Christ is presented in four books in the New Testament. We call them the Gospels. In the book of Matthew, he's presented as the king of the Jews. In the book of Mark, he is the, the servant, the suffering servant. In the book of Luke, he is the, the son of man, the perfect man. In the book of John, he's the son of God, the savior of the world. And what we're going to see from these four references to the branch in the Old Testament, they all align with one of those four Gospels. Here we have Jesus Christ, the king, David, the king of the Jews. Jesus Christ in Matthew, Matthew 2, 2. They, the, the wise men come to seek God. We're looking for he who is called the king of the Jews. Who's the king of the Jews? Jesus Christ Himself. So here you have the branch, and He is the King of the Jews in Matthew. Go with me to Zechariah chapter 3, our text. Or Zechariah 3, verse, verse 8. That's our text today. And look at what it says, the end of the verse. Behold, I will bring forth my what? Servant, the branch. Jesus Christ in Mark is a suffering servant. He's the branch. He's the branch. That's Jesus Christ. Go to Zechariah chapter 6. Look at verse 12. And speak unto him, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, Behold the man whose name is the branch. Behold the man whose name is the branch. How does Luke present Jesus Christ? As the perfect man. The Son of Man who came to live a sinless life and die on the cross for you and for me. Why did, what was the purpose of the incarnation? Why did Jesus Christ become a man? Because God can't die. So God made Him a perfect body, a sinless body, and He lived sinlessly through His entire life as the perfect man. That's who the book of Luke presents. And here you have, Behold the man, the branch. Behold the man, the branch. Then go with me to Isaiah chapter 4. Isaiah chapter 4. Look at verse 2. 
The Bible says, in that day... Now, how many of you have noticed how often we find that in the Bible now? And I really do, I, I feel sorry for so many Christians in the world who've never been taught those interpretive tools that are found just in the words of the Bible. Because immediately, as soon as you look at that, you know, hey, wait a minute, that's when Jesus Christ is coming back. I love that. For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. And when you get saved, he's going to keep you until his return, and you will rule and reign with him forever in eternity in that day. Let's look at the verse again. Isaiah 4, 2. In that day shall the branch of the Lord, we'll see that, the branch of the Lord, be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the earth shall be excellent and comely for them that are escaped of Israel. Why is the fruit going to be beautiful? Why is the land going to be beautiful? Because he's just destroyed it in the tribulation period. But in that day, the branch of the Lord, what does the Bible say in John 1? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus Christ, the branch, the Son of God. Each of the four references to the branch in the Old Testament that align with the Gospels. That's who Jesus Christ is. He's the branch. I want you to think about the genealogies, the genealogies of Jesus Christ. And we understand that God tells us in Matthew that because Jesus Christ is the King of the Jews, that... We're going to trace his lineage back to King David, the greatest of the kings. And then all the way back to Abraham, the father of the Jews. Is that right? And when we look at, we go back to that Jeremiah chapter 23, 5. It's talking about David and Judah and the branch and that lineage of where Jesus Christ came from in the earth. It's identified there. In Zechariah 3, 8, where he's identified as my servant, the branch, the book of Mark doesn't have a genealogy because who cares about the genealogy of a servant? When you go into the book of Luke and you have the perfect man, it says, behold the man. Well, what is the genealogy that's given in the book of Luke? In Luke 3.38, it goes back to Adam, who was the son of God, the first man. And you go to the book of John, the lineage of the book of John is the oldest of the lineage because it goes back to Jesus Christ before the world. And when you look at what the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 4 and verse 2, and it says, the branch of the Lord. This Bible that you have, it's truth that's interwoven all the way through to teach you about Jesus Christ and who this branch is. And here's where this becomes so important. This becomes so unbelievably important to us. The Bible says in the book of John chapter 15, he says, I am the vine and you are the... The branches. You see, the only life that we have is the life that we have in Jesus Christ. And ye who and ye hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. The only life that we have is the life that comes off of the branch. That's us. And we build on that righteousness, that foundation of who Jesus Christ is, the branch. It's, it's just an amazing thing to see who that is. That's the branch. But the Bible tells us something else. Go back to Zechariah chapter 3. You know, it, this book that I'm writing, we're looking at the history of the Bible and the churches, the Baptists, through the seven churches that are given, that are referenced in Revelation 2 and 3. 
And to each of those churches, Jesus Christ gives, he, he calls himself by different names. Like to the church at Laodicea, uh, he says, uh, or to the church of the Laodiceans, it wasn't his church anymore, they were lost people. But he says to them, uh, th- th- these, this, these things write, this, this saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. And those titles of Christ demonstrate what the problems will be in that age and how he's the answer. Now, do you all understand that Jesus Christ is the answer to any problem that you have? Um, Brother King was describing what uh, Honolulu is like with the, the, being the methamphetamine capital of the world. Unbelievable homeless population. Two-thirds of the population with no religious affiliation at all. The influence of Mormonism and the cults in that culture. Um, the, the, the fact that when they, the, the, the median household, the, the price for a house is over $650,000, but the average pay is $60,000. So three or four families will have to come together to be able to live in a house. And all of the trouble that is in that place, what's the answer to all of that trouble? It's Jesus Christ. Is that right? So the same answer that Jesus Christ is providing to Israel in the book of Zechariah after the Babylonian captivity, in really the last message we have from the prophets, the answer then is the same answer that's today. It's Jesus Christ. And that's why these titles of Christ are so important. The branch. Now let's look at the stone and look at what the Bible says about it in verse 9. For behold, the stone that I have laid before Joshua... Upon one stone shall be seven eyes. So the one stone. Why is the Bible talking to us about the stone? Well, who's the stone? It's Jesus Christ. Now, here's the problem. If you asked many people who call themselves Christians in the world, who is the stone that the church is built on? Who are they going to say? So let's look at the scriptures and let's see if we can identify who the stone is. Go to Psalm 118. Are y'all having fun this morning? I love this stuff, man. Next week, we'll do six steps on how to stop biting your fingernails. I think I'd rather look at the Bible. All right, Psalm 118, and let's look at verse 22. The stone which the builders refused has become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Save now, I beseech thee, O Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, send now prosperity. Blessed be he that cometh in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you out of the house of the Lord. God is the Lord which hath showed us light, bind the sacrifice with cords, even unto the horns of the altar. Thou art my God, and I will praise thee. Thou art my God, I will exalt thee. O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, and his mercy endureth forever. Who is the stone? This stone, we know who this stone is, because the Bible tells us in Luke 18, that when Jesus Christ is riding in on his triumphal entry, and they're saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, that they missed him. They missed who Jesus was. They missed the Messiah. And the Bible says, go there, go there, Luke 18. Some of you have seen this before. Some of you haven't. So let's look at it. Luke 18. Let's look 19. I'm sorry. 
Luke 19, and look at verse 37. And when he was come nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. And he answered and said unto them, I tell you, that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. How about that? You know what's interesting? If you have a tape, if you have a CD, if you're listening to something like that, you know what you're listening to? Stones. doesn't matter where you are, man. God's Word is more powerful than anything else that you have. Remember the first radios, those crystal radios? The, the Word of God going around the world through the stones. It, it, we can't stop God's Word. We just can't stop it. Now look at what it says in verse 41. And when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it, saying, If thou hadst known, even thou at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. Look at verse 44, the end of the verse. Because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. So Jesus Christ had told them there was going to be a day. Don't miss the day when the king comes riding into the city. Daniel chapter 9, verse 27, he told them the exact day. And they missed the day. But there is the day coming where he will come. And he will rule and reign. And what are we going to say? This is the day that the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Why? Because blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Who is that? That's the stone that the builders refused. You see, there are a lot of people building kingdoms today that don't want Jesus Christ as the chief cornerstone. There are a lot of kingdoms, the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. There are many kingdoms that are being built. There are kingdoms, there are churches where a preacher is trying to build some kind of kingdom apart from Jesus Christ. He has been refused, but you know what's going to happen? That stone that the builders refused, he is going to become the head, the chief of the corner. You see, one day Jesus Christ is going to be that king. When the Bible describes Jesus Christ as the stone in the book of Isaiah, that's the answer. That's the answer that he has for the world now, let's try to understand what we're talking about with this stone and what this stone will do. Go to the book of Daniel, chapter 2. You know, right now, the stone is rejected in the culture. It's rejected in the Supreme Court. Is that right? He, he is rejected. The stone is rejected on the national airways. The stone is rejected in the culture. The stone is rejected in the marriage licenses. But one of these days, he's going to be the stone that is the chief of the corner. That's coming. And let's look at and see if the Bible describes it. In Daniel chapter 2, here let me get there. In Daniel chapter 2, you remember what's happened. Nebuchadnezzar has had this dream, this vision, and he can't understand it. So he's called together all of his prophets. And we understand from, from Joseph that interpretation belongs to God. 
Isn't that right? So you can call anybody you want to to interpret something, but the only genuine interpretation of anything is the interpretation that God will give to it. Well, God had given Daniel the ability to interpret dreams because interpretation comes from God. And so he calls all of his wise men, all of his magi, that's where that comes from. So all of these magi come in and they're going to try and interpret the dreams and they can't do it. Well, Nebuchadnezzar's had enough and he's going to kill them all. If you can't interpret this dream, you're done. And Daniel says, listen, king, I can interpret your dream. And so he asks him what the interpretation is and he gives it. So he has this image, he has this vision of this image, and Daniel tells him that, yes, Babylon is the kingdom now, but they're going to be overthrown by the Persians, and the Persians are going to be overthrown by the Greeks, and the Greeks are going to be overthrown by the Romans. And so Daniel, God tells Daniel that, and what happens in history? Well, Babylon's overthrown by Persia, Persia's overthrown by Greece, and Greece is overthrown by Rome. It's almost like God knew it was going to happen. Right? Well, then they get down to the feet, and the feet is iron mixed with miry clay. And that's a revived Roman Empire that's a mixture of all different things. And some of you, we've studied that. We, we, I'm not going to get into all of that today. But what does that mean? And Nebuchadnezzar, he gives them the interpretation. But Nebuchadnezzar asks, Nebuchadnezzar asks him about some details. Go to verse 35. Daniel chapter 2 and verse 35. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold. You see that? Look at verse 34. Thou sawest till that stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay, and brake them into pieces." So here we have this revived Roman Empire that is going to come and rule the world. And what's going to happen to it? The stone that is cut out without hands, that's Jesus Christ. He is going to come and crush all of those nations. All of these kingdoms that rise up against God. That stone is coming back. And what is the scripture telling us? Look. You can bow to the stone or you can be crushed by it. That's the stone that the builders rejected. Look at verse 45. For as much as thou sawest that stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass when. Hereafter, and the dream is certain, and the interpretation thereof, what? Sure. It is sure. Remember what it says in Isaiah 46, 9 and 10? Remember the former things of old, for I am God, declaring the end from the beginning, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. That's who God is. What an awesome God. That's the stone. That's the stone that the builders rejected. When is this going to happen? Look at what it says at the end of the verse. It says, um, God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter, and the dream is certain and the interpretation thereof sure. When is this going to happen? Go to Revelation chapter 4 and verse 1. Revelation 
the branch, the stone, and the seven eyes. Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. After what? Look at the end of verse, the, the end of the last chapter. It says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. After the church age, after we're gone, after this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be when? Hereafter. That's when Jesus Christ is going to come. And that stone is going to crush those kingdoms that were described all the way back in the book of Daniel. And Daniel said, this thing is sure. This thing is sure. It is going to happen. The stone. Now, what about this stone? Go to Matthew chapter 21. Let's see if Jesus said anything about this. Matthew chapter 21. Look at verse 42. Jesus saith unto them, Did you never read in the Scriptures? Isn't it great when you go to religious people and you ask them if they've ever read the Bible? How many of you have ever done that? I have. Have some religious person talking to you? You just look at, Have you never read the Bible? You know, and you want to say, have you lost your mind? All right, so look at what Jesus is saying to him. Jesus saith unto them, Did ye never read in the Scriptures the stone which the builders rejected, the same has become the head of the corner? So he is quoting Psalm 118. Do you see that? Look at what he says. You ready? You've got to mark that. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Look at what it says. Therefore say I unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof. And whosoever shall fall on, what's it say? That stone? This stone shall be broken. But on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. What's Jesus Christ saying? Jesus Christ said, that stone that you read of is this stone. Jesus Christ is the stone that the builders rejected. And he says this, look, you can bow before me as your king, or I can fall on you and grind you to powder. This is another one of those verses that I've never seen on a pillow. You know what I mean? This is the Jesus that was preaching to those Pharisees. I will grind you to powder. Is that what he wants to do? No. He came to them. And he was willing to be tortured and die so that they could know who he is. That's our king. That's the stone. Look at Matthew chapter 27. I want you to see something interesting. Matthew chapter 27. Look at verse 62. So Jesus Christ has been crucified. Now the next day that followed the day of the preparation, 
the chief priests and Pharisees came together unto Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember that deceiver said, while he was yet alive, after three days I will rise again. Now, see this? They, they heard the message. They just rejected it. He came into his own, and his own received him not. Now, look at verse 64. Command, therefore, that the sepulcher be made sure. What was sure? The prophecy of Daniel. He's asking them to make sure, these Pharisees, make sure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say unto the people, He is risen from the dead. Now look at this. So the last error shall be worse than the first. So they're saying his, his message that he came was an error. And if, we preach, if they start preaching the resurrection, that error will be worse than the first. What's the greatest enemy of false religion? The resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now look at what it says. Pilate said unto them, Ye have a watch, go your way. Make it as sure as ye can. I love that. Now look at verse 66. So they went and made the sepulcher sure, sealing the stone and setting a watch. Now, I'm sure that the text does not mean that they were sealing up the stone that the builders rejected, but that's what they were doing. But I can tell you this, that stone couldn't stop the stone. Amen? You ready for this? They, the angel had to come back and roll away the stone, not to let Jesus out, but to show the people that He was gone. That stone could not stop the stone that the builders rejected. And that is not Peter. Let's see what Peter said about it. First Peter chapter 2. The branch, the stone, and the seven eyes. First Peter chapter 2. Look at verse 3. If so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious to whom, that's the Lord, to whom coming as unto a what? A living stone. What is the church built on? The confession that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. To whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. What Peter understood was he was not the rock that the church was built on. Jesus Christ is the rock, and He is a stone, just as we are all lively stones that have our life from the stone, Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible says. Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual priesthood and holy a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture behold I lay in Sion the chief cornerstone elect precious and he that believeth on Peter shall not be confounded. What did Peter say? He that believes on the stone, the cornerstone, Jesus Christ, shall not be confounded. Unto you, therefore, which believe, He is precious. Is Jesus Christ precious to you today? He is precious. But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner, a stone of stumbling 
and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You see, that stone which the builders rejected, he is our chief cornerstone. He is the foundation that we are built upon. Go to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Remember we, we quoted verse 1, and you have to quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. But look at Ephesians chapter 2. Look at verse 19. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and with the house of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. You ready for this? That stone that the Bible is talking about all the way back in Zechariah chapter 3 and verse 9, that stone is the stone that this church is built on. That's Jesus Christ. He's the answer to the problem of the age. He's the answer to every situation that we come to. He's our Savior, Jesus Christ, the stone. Um, let's do one more thing. Go to Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9, look at verse 30. What shall we say then, that the Gentiles which followed not after righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith? But Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, hath not, of righteousness, hath not attained to the law of righteousness. Wherefore? Because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law. For they stumbled at that stumbling stone. As it is written, Behold, I lay in Sion a stumbling stone and rock of offense, and whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. If you believe on that Jesus Christ and you don't stumble over him, you're going to be saved. You're not going to be ashamed. How do we know that that's not talking about Peter? How do we know that that's talking about Jesus Christ? Go to Romans chapter 10. Look at verse 9 that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. It's the exact same thing that it says in chapter 9 and verse 33. It's the exact same thing. You believe on that stumbling stone, you won't be ashamed. You believe on Jesus Christ, you won't be ashamed. You see that stone that our faith is built on? It's not Peter. It's on the confession that Peter made. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Well, I wish I had time today to get to the seven eyes. Oh, man, wait until you see the seven eyes. We'll do that next week. How many of you would rather hear it now? How many of you are too hungry? Listen. The branch... 
the branch. He's the vine. We're the branches. What we have is because we're in Christ, the life that we have, it all comes from Jesus. This faith that we're trusting in, this church that Jesus Christ is building here in Sydney, Ohio, that He will build in Honolulu, Hawaii, that church that's built on the foundation of Jesus Christ and the apostles, which is built on the rock, the stone of Jesus Christ. And when He comes back, He's going to be the head of the corner. The head of the corner. I'm going to talk to you here, my plan. What is the only building that has a cornerstone for its head? A pyramid. We're going to look at that. We're going to talk about all of those things. There's more in your Bible than you could ever imagine. Let's go back to Zechariah and let's tie this up. Who is Jesus Christ? Zechariah 3 and verse 8. Hear now, O Joshua, the high priest, thou and thy fellows that sit before thee, for they are men wondered at. For behold, I will bring forth my servant, the branch. For behold, the stone that I have laid before Joshua upon one stone shall be seven eyes. Behold, I will engrave the graving thereof, saith the Lord of hosts, and I will remove the iniquity of that land in one day. What's the requirement to remove the iniquity? The branch and the stone. What's the requirement to, move, to remove your iniquity? The same thing. The branch, Jesus Christ, the stone, the stone that you have to believe on, and you'll either believe on it or you will be crushed to powder. That's what the Bible says. I hope you're saved today. I hope you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. I hope that this gives you a greater appetite to know who Jesus Christ is through His Word. It's amazing what God says about Jesus through the Scriptures. Thank you, Lord, for Your Word. Thank you for Your salvation.